I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the award-winning. Uh, we never say this, and we never brag about this. This is terrible. My fault completely, but the award-winning show, the Florence Weinberg Show, radio and, and podcast, uh, won a, an award uh, for education last year. It was one of the subjects. But let me just, before we start, I'll, I'll tell everyone how quickly it was done. It was a it was a spur-of-the-moment thought I had, and I said, uh, do you know much about Sesame Street? And uh, and the and the controversy that it happened and 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 Dr. Weinberg, uh, you know, p- put a couple of quick thoughts together and, and and won an award for the Press Club of Long Island. And I got to send her the certificate. I, I picked it up because it was here in New York and she's in San Antonio. But the award winning show host and, and we've never said that before, uh, radio show host and podcast host, Dr. Florence Weinberg. How are you, Doc? I'm I'm just fine. Amazed that I should win an award <laughs> uh, for for something that I did almost off the cuff. Yeah, completely off the cuff. I, I mean, if if you had ten minutes to to prep, I, I'd be surprised. You had a couple. You know, it was just a last minute thing, and shame on me for uh, you know forgetting to bring it up. But it's uh, it, it was it was the turbulent '60s and 1969 and everything that came along with that. Um, I, you know, it's it. You know, it, you don't think about Sesame Street as being anything controversial or whatever, but it certainly was. But the year before that uh, is is something we'll be focusing on today, and that was uh, when uh, it was 1968, when uh, the death of a great man, uh, Martin Luther King, um, uh, occurred. Uh, the the murder of uh, of a civil rights leader and someone that um, that fortunately uh, we've. Uh, it was Ronald Reagan, strangely enough, who uh, who signed the the day into, uh, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Ronald Reagan in '83. I think that uh, he signed it, and then uh, I think they first started um, celebrating on in '86. But you wouldn't think Ronald Reagan would be the one who uh, who who set that. I, I shouldn't say that, but uh, you know. No, you, you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so anyway, Martin yeah. Luther King. I mean, we just had his day. Um, last Monday, and and we kind of skipped over it because there was so much other, uh, so many other things going on. But um, uh, your thoughts? Right. Yes. Uh, last Monday was indeed Martin Luther King Day, and here in San Antonio, we host a huge, nearly three mile march. And again this year, uh, especially after the uh, the COVID hiatus. Uh, it was, again, the largest and best-attended march in the United States. Wow. Now, uh, it's unusual uh, that a city like San Antonio should brag about such a thing, um, but, uh, and, uh, not but, but, and it, I can't, I can't for the life of me understand it fully, um, because San Antonio is uh, does not have the largest black community. It has a rather small black community. It has a very large Hispanic community, of course, but that's not what Martin Luther King Day is all about. I mean, partially, yes. But the focus is really on the black community. Um, but I think that it may have something to do with the Alamo, yeah. uh, which is generally uh, believed to be a symbol for the fight for freedom, the fight to the death that is, for freedom, uh, that resonates in the hearts of those that are seeking racial justice, 
whoever they may be, and especially in this country, this is true of the black uh, community even to this very day. However, uh, as you were just saying, uh, the many quiet meditations on Martin Luther's contributions to our freedom and our democracy and racial justice were quickly submerged by breaking news of finding more classified documents in President Biden's home, for instance, Mm. and this weekend by uh, mass shootings in California. But despite uh, the pressure-breaking news, um, I am returning to a meditation on Martin Luther King and his influence on two very different people. A local professor named Carrie Lattimore, a man, because Carrie can be a woman's name also, Um, Carrie Lattimore, and the President of the United States, Lyndon Baines Johnson, who was, of course, one of the major figures in the 1960s, for good and for ill. Uh, Now, two local editors wrote opinion pieces about uh, Harry Lattimore um, and about Lyndon Baines Johnson, and they were printed side by side. And they inspired me uh, to base my talk on their work because they, both of them, I thought, were very thoughtful and inspirational. And one of them was Nancy Prayer Johnson, who wrote a tribute to this professor, Carrie Black, uh, um, who wrote about Johnson. And uh, I'm sorry, who wrote about the professor, Carrie Lattimore. Carrie Lattimore. Now, this is interesting because the other uh, op-ed person was Carrie Black, so they had the same first name. Not uh, not, uh, spelled the same way. The editorial uh, man spells his without an E, so C-A-R-Y, and the professor is Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y. But nonetheless, both of them named Carrie, which I think is fairly rare. Yeah. That's unusual. Yeah. But in any case, um, I'm going to talk about Nancy Prayer Johnson's editorial first. She actually marched uh, on Monday, last uh, week ago, with Almy Lattimore, who is Carrie's wife and who was one of a a group who walked to honor him. Um, he was uh, he was a beloved Trinity University professor. As I was a Trinity University professor too. I don't know how beloved. <laughs> Retired in 1999, and so I missed knowing this man. Uh, and he was also an ordained minister of Mount Zion First Baptist Church here. Uh, he died last July, July 26, and he was only 46 years old. He died of multiple myeloma, which is a for, form of cancer. And um, it, apparently it's an extremely painful way to die as well. And so he endured a good deal of agony before he passed last July. Uh, Almi also uh, marched with a group who represented the Alamo Trust, which manages the Alamo's day-to-day operations. And Kerry uh, had been a key advisor on black history and an authority on the African-American experience. 
uh, and he uh, he guided them in creating an exhib- exhibition, um, which is still there, uh, which uh, honors the civil rights actions in San Antonio back in the 60s, and 1960s, that is, including the de- uh, desegregation of San Antonio lunch counters, uh, which uh, was... was uh, uh, a, a movement that caused controversy and fistfights. Uh, and um, at Carey's last speech, his final speech about the Alamo, uh, he was so weak that he couldn't walk without support. Uh, Almy said that she had felt her husband's presence um, as the people spoke supportive words to her during the march and embraced her. She had felt him her, uh, with her the day before uh, when there was a wreath laying in his honor. She said she was only able to speak at that gathering without breaking down because she had forced herself to have a hard cry beforehand. Uh, I can understand that. Uh, I have I have a terrible time if I'm emotional when I try to speak publicly. Um, I, my voice will go uh, will go all wonky on me, <laughs> and so uh, I, one of these days, if I have such a speech to make, I will try this method of weeping beforehand. In any case, one of the Alamo Trust board members who was marching with her said, and I'm quoting, "I learned so much from Carrie." I could I could sit and just listen to him because of the way he talked. And Almy uh, had replied, he would not have expected this. He was so humble. And there was also U.S. Representative Will Hurd in the march. And uh, he told her, the Alamo means a lot of different things to different people. But the fact that Dr. Lattimore helped show how it had a role in the civil rights of San Antonio is a lasting legacy. He is in our hearts, unquote. Carrie uh, began, began as a professor at Trinity, a professor of history and director of the African-American Studies Program, which, by the way, would now be illegal in Florida and probably would cause his dismissal from his post as yeah, professor. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, isn't that something? Um, he was not diagnosed with multiple myeloma until May 2022. And Almy said, and I'm quoting her, he was always so active in the community. He would never say no to invitations for speaking engagements. He was so sick, but if he had a speaking engagement at 2 p.m., he would rest the whole morning to store up enough energy to go, unquote. And toward the end of his life, Carrie didn't want to use a cane or a walker. Instead, he held Almy's hand, and he sometimes squeezed it so tight that her rings dug into her fingers. She didn't complain, but she stopped wearing her rings. Uh, When she focuses on the love he had for her, she thinks of how the students and people loved him back. Fellow Trinity University history professor Anine uh, Ajikame, she must be from Africa, uh, remarked during the march, he was a very gifted speaker who spoke from the heart. He spoke with deep faith and intellect, very much in the tradition of Martin Luther King. 
He was in MLK. He was at MLK level, unquote. And this is just one of the examples, the many examples of the spirit and devotion of the marchers who participated last Monday. But I'm now going to shift from the small to the great, from local feelings on the MLK Day to the national level, since the other op-ed writer I want to highlight is Carrie Clark, who writes about Lyndon Baines Johnson. And he begins his editorial remembering Johnson's last speech. On And here I go. On December 12, 1972, Johnson drove through an ice storm to get to Austin to speak at a civil rights symposium at the LBJ Presidential Library. He had left the presidency four years earlier at age 60. And he had suffered a major heart attack earlier in 1972 and was so sick, his doctors told him he might not survive the trip. At one point during the speech, he had to pause to take a nitroglycerin pill. His message was that all of his papers in the, uh, of, of all, among all his papers in the library, it was the record of his work in civil rights that holds the most of my, and here I'm quoting him, that holds the most of myself within it and holds for me the most intimate meanings. I do not want to say that I've always seen the matter in terms of the special plight of the black man as clearly as I came to see it in the course of my life, in my experience and responsibility. I'm sort of ashamed of myself that I had six years and couldn't do more than I did, unquote. Mm. Johnson, in the afternoon of January 22nd, the next, the following year, 1973, suffered a heart attack at his ranch and was pronounced dead at Brooks Army Medical Center in San Antonio. Yeah. People have radically different assessments of Johnson's life and influence on our nation, but it is undeniable that he was one of the most skillful and compelling politicians in our history. He ascended to the presidency on November 22, 1963, after the brutal assassination of John F. Kennedy in Dallas. And he, uh, with his expansive personality and Texas drawl, was ridiculed in the beginning as a totally inadequate replacement. I remember those sentiments. I, mean, I was in Rochester, New York at the time, and, and people in Rochester did not like Lyndon Baines Johnson. Yeah, I could see that. I could see why they wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rochester was solidly Republican anyway, uh, and uh, and Johnson's efforts, especially, I think, in the civil rights area, rankled uh, a lot of the Republicans there at the time. And, of course, they they targeted his, his Texan personality. He was definitely uh, – the way he talked, the way he moved, his arm gestures, everything – uh, the, the stories about his family life, everything uh, was subject for cartoons and, and laughter uh, in, early in his presidency. However, uh, he had unmatched legislative skills, 
and he was a persuasive individual. He could get together with the with a senator who was opposed to one of his policies and come out uh, with a handshake and agreement from that person. He became one of the country's most uh, consequential presidents, whether you like it or not. And before our uh, f our fatal fatal forced entry into the Vietnam War by Johnson's lying about the attack on our ships in the Tonkin Gulf. He pushed through the Great Society legislation with programs that we right now are defending. They are right now under attack. Medicare, Medicaid, school reforms, urban renewal, civil rights legislation, which and they have been under attack in the years since Johnson's presidency. The Supreme Court has partly dismantled um, the, uh, the civil rights uh, with uh, the voting rights, especially with the Citizens United decision, uh, and has weakened the, uh, the prohibition against gerrymandering. And we can talk about that uh, when I finish this, because I, I think it's so current is so important right now that all of these things of the great society that Johnson's uh, succeeded in doing uh, are, tr are under attack, have been under attack by the right wing all along. Uh, and they are uh, up, up for destruction by the present uh, House of Representatives. Johnson knew Johnson knew that that war that he had gotten us into, the Vietnam War, was unwinnable. And he said in May 1964, he said, and I quote him, I don't think it's worth fighting for, and I don't think we can get out. It's just the biggest damned mess that I ever saw, unquote. Wow. <laughs> but instead, he escalated the mess, and it forced him to give up the presidency. And again, I'm quoting Clark, Kerry Clark, who wrote the editorial um, here, um, quote, calling Johnson larger than life doesn't do justice to his complex character. The spoke, scope, pardon me, the scope of his successes and the abysmal depth of his failure. No president has so frequently been referred to in literary terms and compared to a Shakespearean or Greek tragedy, a character from a Russian novel, or as a practitioner of politics is taught by Machiavelli, unquote. And that, of course, is absolutely true. Without question, no argument here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as a young man... Uh, Johnson taught Mexican American children here in lo uh, local local a local school here in Texas in Cotula, I believe, and he learned more from them than he taught. In a speech to Congress, he would say, uh, "Somehow you never forget what poverty and hatred can do when you see its scars on the hopeful face of a young child." And he and I'm quoting him: "I never then in 1928." I never knew then in 1928 that I would be standing here in 1996. It never even occurred to me that my fondest dreams that I might have the chance to help the sons and daughters of these students and help people like them all over the country. But now I do have that chance. 
And this that speech was given during the Selma campaign for voting rights. It was underway as he gave those and his he spoke those words. And he continued, and I'm quoting again, these are our enemies, poverty, ignorance, disease. And these enemies, too, poverty, disease, and ignorance, we shall overcome, unquote. As editor Clack says, with his southern drawl echoing the theme of the black-led civil rights movement, it was the single most electrifying moment of Johnson's presidency, and one that was largely defined by his signing of the 1965 Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And back in 1928 already, he had told a friend after returning from the Democratic National Convention in Houston that he wanted to live a life that after he had been dead a hundred years, somebody would know that he had lived on this earth. Well, half that time, 50 years have now passed, and LBJ has not been forgotten. So that is what I have to say about these two people who are intimately connected with the movement, uh, the, the Martin Luther King movement, which, is, uh, which was properly celebrated, but which is actually under attack by our present Congress, because they do want to undo everything he did in his great society legislation you know uh, doc I, I, a quick word on johnson um if 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 warren for vietnam and his uh, massive failures and escalating that war um he would have gone down as a great president yes i, I mean it, what he did with the civil rights act i mean that alone it was so uh it, it was so unbelievably groundbreaking and necessary. yes and, uh, you know, I, I almost, you know, keep in mind, he's kind of a, he's kind of looked at uh, because he was Texan, he was a Texan, and uh, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't like bleeding hot liberal, uh, uh, per, you know, as you wouldn't think of him as that. Uh, he certainly That's right. wasn't before the term politically correct. I mean, he uh, he was so floored when it came to, to that. I mean, I think he's, you know, he's on record as using the N-word and, uh, even in the White House and uh, and very yeah. interesting oh, yeah. things, picking up uh, a, a basset hound by the ears, right? Uh, uh, you know, he has uh, he was so unpolished that uh, that you could kind of pass him off as a as a Republican. I, I'm not taking a shot at Republicans, but you could almost pass him off and uh, you know as a Texas uh, Republican. But you know, a guy who was uh, who comes across that way with the drawl. Um, saying, hey, we need civil rights, is almost like Nixon being allowed to go to China and be tested <laughs> on that, if you know what yeah. I mean. So, like, I think that, that something could be said for that. The other thing that you said about Vietnam, and it, and it always stuck in my mind, there's a quote, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't know if I have it exactly. There's a quote by LBJ where he said, Vietnam is like hitchhiking in a Texas hailstorm. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. And God Almighty, I just can't make it stop. And uh -huh. and I, to me, that was a frightening quote. 
because of course he could have made it stop. He was the president of the United States. He could have declared victory and pulled out. Um, yeah. You know what? We're going to, this is our new parameters. Uh, this is what we're going to do. As long as we free this part of Vietnam, as soon as we do this, uh, then we're out and we're going to let them handle it themselves. Um, de- declare victory and and, and get out. <laughs> uh, yes, he, he had all. Well, that's that's yeah. almost what we had to do anyway. Right, and he, but he could have done that early, long before. Saved, yes, saved his presidency and done a lot yes. more for the civil rights movement. Right, if right. It wasn't uh, you know, it, but he. It, to me, it's frightening the the hailstorm uh, quote because um, it. it Tens of thousands of people died because the right. politician didn't want to be the um, he didn't want to be the first president U.S. president to lose a war. That's what it was about. He didn't yes. want that to happen, and uh, mm-hmm. it's absolutely amazing. Um, uh, on the other hand, just to comment on Martin Luther King, um, it, you know, a great man who was uh, you know he he wasn't perfect in, in any way. Uh, but uh, he was the perfect man for the time. And when I say he's not perfect, uh, J. Edgar Hoover had him in his crosshairs and, he yeah. had, uh, you know, having affairs and having different things. And and I, I don't say this to demean Martin Luther King, one of the great men of the century, uh, one of the great men in American history. Without him, without his leadership, uh, we wouldn't, uh, you know, we we God knows where we would be. And he took over, you know, a hundred years. He, he uh, you know, uh, less than a hundred years, um, really, when he started his uh, his his plight um, from when there was still slaves. So he he followed up on, uh, and as much as anybody, on the work of Lincoln. Uh, and, yes, you know, right. Lincoln uh, emancipated the slaves, um, preserved the Union, uh, which wasn't you know wasn't uh, um, uh, King's um, duty. To do nothing to do with preserving the union, he, his uh, his work was to further the work of Lincoln, the unfinished work of Lincoln, and uh, and both men, um, their work uh, died with well, it, it didn't necessarily die, but uh, stopped their personal work stopped uh, with an assassin's bullet. Both men. Yes. Yes, uh, well, uh, indeed, uh, what was happening, of course, after the Civil War uh, was that um, Jim Crow began. The southern uh, southern states revolted against the dictates coming from the north, and they continued to see to it. I mean, here, these black people were emancipated, but they were not given any property. They were not given any funds. They were not supported in any way, and so therefore it was sort of like turning them out on the street with nothing. So obviously they could easily be kept in subjugation, and that was called Jim Crow, the Jim Crow uh, policies of even legislation throughout the South that kept the blacks uh, down terribly until Johnson came along and emancipated them so that they could vote, they could go to school. Uh, and and so on and so forth. And so uh, it was, as you say, an absolute continuation of what Lincoln had tried to do, but what he was unable to do because, as you say, an assassin's bullet stopped him. 
so uh, Johnson was heroic. He was visionary. He was amazing in in his civil rights stance. Um, and then, of course, the the Voting Rights Act uh, was a general uh, correction of the corruption that had grown up in in uh, voting rights. Uh, and unfortunately, the Citizens United decision uh, taken. Uh, in 2010 uh, to allow uh, corporations to act as individual human beings and to contribute as much money as they please to to elections has been a guarantee of corruption, actually, and that is what has happened. People, uh, corporations, um, millionaires, billionaires, trillionaires, uh, are simply buying the elections these days, the elections of local uh, local representatives and state and national representatives who are running the government, and are uh, and the uh, the MAGA people are being uh, funded by corporations and and millionaires right now, and that sort of corruption uh, is rife, and something must be done about it. And uh, the original legislation that uh, Johnson passed. Uh, did not allow for it, did not allow it. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court has decided otherwise. And so we are stuck with this for the moment. Amazing. Yeah, just yeah and the other thing, of course, is ger- gerrymandering. Uh, another decision by the Supreme Court. Uh, Johnson's leg- legislation ha- uh, ruled that southern states, which were very busy uh, gerrymandering their districts so that uh, um, uh, right-wing candidates would always win, they would have guaranteed seats, Um, they would have to submit their uh, redrawing of uh, congressional districts, for instance, uh, to the uh, to a board of independent examiners, <laughs> and uh, if the examiners did not agree with the new drawing because of gerrymandering, they would send it back to the states for revision. And the Supreme Court ruled that that was unconstitutional because it infringed too much on states' rights. And anyway, the Supreme Court believed there was no such uh, prejudicial um, uh, redrawing of congressional districts anyway. Everybody had been very good. Uh, But, of course, the only reason they had been was that they were being supervised. And now that they're no longer supervised, gerrymandering is going wild. So that uh, there are more Republican districts created in the Republican-led states and more seats that are guaranteed to go to Republican candidates. Uh, Even though Democrats are in the majority in those states, uh, they are not being represented, and certainly not uh, the black communities uh, that often will bring out uh, voters in mass, as has happened in Georgia. And fortunately, uh, they overcame the gerrymandering in Georgia to uh, to reelect our black senator. Uh, so we have a tiny majority in the Senate these days. 
And so that is what had happened in the interim to uh, to Johnson's great society. Um, and what is happening right now as we speak is that our uh, Republican Congress, uh, House of Representatives, is very busy trying to dismantle the rest of it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the gerrymandering is uh, is so significant. And, you know, if anyone uh, ever poo-pooed the idea of the, the Supreme Court being um, being monumentally important, uh, all they have to do is look at 2022 and, uh, and, and see what a difference um, a, a Supreme Court could make on a, on a country. And, and the gerrymandering, you know, prior to, you know, prior to 2022 and, uh, and, and so much. Um, but the Supreme Court of the United States has an awful lot to say with how we, we govern ourselves. And uh, yes. somehow or another, um, that, that got lost, I think, until, until last year. And what was it, June? Right, June or July, when the Roe v. Wade uh, issue came up, but um, it, it's uh, the gerrymandering is is just as relevant as anything mm-hmm. else the Supreme Court has ever done. It is changing; uh, it, it changes the way, it changes the power um, of of our uh, of our electorate, right? And what, yes. where it can go, and and why. I, you know, I mean, the the reason the Republicans are in uh, in control right now is because of gerrymandering. Yes, it is, because the popular vote uh, went for uh, Hillary Clinton, right? <laughs> for instance, right. three yeah, million plus. Uh, it, she had three million yeah, additional yeah. votes. That's right, and of course, um, we're not even talking about the electoral college. Uh, and of course, gerrymandering is, is significant because of the Electoral College, because uh, it is those districts, whoever wins those congressional districts, are those uh, that choose the representative to go to the Electoral College. And therefore, uh, the, uh, the Republican, uh, as in the case of, uh, uh, of Trump, uh, the Republican wins despite the three million votes to the contrary. So, one man, no, one uh, one uh, one vote, one man, one vote that counts uh, is not true in our democracy. <laughs> it is no longer a democracy. Amazing, just uh, just yeah. amazing when you look at it all and you put it under a, a microscope. And and we do this under the uh, you know under the auspice of uh, of talking about MLK. And uh, and the day that just passes, I you know I, I mean these are connected. The John Lewis um, law, for example, the voting rights uh, yes. law. Uh, you know you could you could trace that directly back to uh, to the the work or a continuation of the work uh, of Doctor Doctor King, and yes, uh, you know and and the fact that that is going to be uh, stopped is so monumental, or right that it could ultimately be stopped uh, is so monumental in our democracy. Yes, indeed, and uh, of course, John Lewis has a real uh, had anyway, it still does uh, a direct link to uh, Martin Luther King because he was one of those beaten on Bloody Sunday uh, in the march at the 
uh, at the Pettit Bridge in Selma, Alabama. Uh, he was beaten nearly to death there and survived to become one of the uh, most significant and powerful senators in our Democratic <laughs> Senate at the time and, uh, and of course, proposed uh, his legislation, which uh, Mitch McConnell refused to bring to the floor for debate. Hmm. Big shock. <laughs> Big shock. That, uh, that is, I'm being sarcastic, of course, but uh, Mitch McConnell, um, uh, you know, has a history of, uh, yep. of that. And you just look at uh, Obama's second term and yes. you can see what uh, what he had uh, had done there. Uh, yeah, just just absolutely amazing. Uh, when you look at the the work that happened in the 60s uh, surrounding the uh, the civil rights movement, uh, it is right. really uh, you know something. I, 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 one thing that always shocked me. I don't know if you remember um, the Captain and Tennille. Sounds like a, a ridiculous reference, but uh, it's significant. The Captain and Tennille were uh, this. This it was almost like a lounge act that that hit big time <coughs> in the seventies. They had a variety show, and Tony Tennille was the woman, and the Captain was her husband. He wore like a silly hat or whatever. But I, I interviewed her once. And it turned out to be a civil rights, and she's a white woman, who was born huh? uh, in Mobile, Alabama. And uh, it, it turned out to be a shocking interview. It's online. People could see it. Uh, Tony Tennille on Breaking It Down, Frank McKay. Um, but her father owned a hardware store in Mobile, Alabama. But he was affected by the Civil Rights uh, Act because his hardware store, catered to African-Americans, which they weren't, you know, recognized as that. Negro uh, is the word that they would use, Negro or black um, uh, constituents, uh, customers. So the, the majority of the customers were, were African-American that came into the Tennille store. So she gave this, uh, you know, I, I mean, it was just, it was mind-blowing, to be honest with you, because I never even thought of, of her has uh, as being relevant, and and I always mm -hmm. run it every year on on various stations that I'm on uh, in February, which is Black History Month, which is ironic because she's she's not black, right? She's not black, and you, you wouldn't think that she'd have any tie. But it was really an amazing um, moment, and she was she was the daughter, the daughter, the white daughter of a white man who owned a mobile in Mobile, Alabama. A, um, uh, a a hardware store that catered to to African Americans, right as uh, the march on on Selma was going on, and and uh, and, uh, and and Mobile, uh, uh, you know all the uh, you know the situations that were happening there. I mean, this is this is really I, I mean like an unbelievable um, a, a picture of of history. And, you yep. know, you, you would have to think that a man like that, and I don't know her that well other than the couple of interviews I did with her and uh, her father, but I, I imagine this would have been a Johnson Democrat, right? I mean, I would <laughs> think that this would be a man who was a Johnson Democrat, a Southern Democrat. By the way, the man who, um, ironic, the, the other President Johnson that we had was uh, was a Democrat from Tennessee during the uh, during the Civil War, and mm -hmm. uh, and he was the vice president under 
uh, under Abraham Lincoln. The assassin's bullet took Lincoln and, and Johnson, uh, ascended to the presidency. Uh, president Johnson became President Johnson because of his, uh, of his position in, uh, as the vice president. And then uh, President Kennedy, um, who, uh, again, you think of civil, you know, you think of in, his involvement with the civil rights movement and what he may have done uh, during that time period. And an assassin's bullet took him and propelled uh, uh, the other President Johnson right after. I mean, it's, it, you know, some ironies there. But both yes. are basically Southern. I mean, if you count Texas as being Southern, right? Southern uh, Democrats. Uh, right. And, yes. And both had uh, had very significant roles. And, uh, you know, and by the way, Johnson uh, was, uh, you know, the first uh, Andrew Johnson was impeached. Right. So the thing is, his uh, his presidency um uh, you know, went on with uh, uh, with scandal. Uh, you know, the, the same way uh, LBJ did with uh, with his. Mm-hmm. You, know, you take those two things out. Uh, who knows what would have happened to Reconstruction under a clean uh, bill of help from uh, from Andrew Johnson, and, and who knows uh, what would have happened to uh, the Civil Rights Act and and how much further it would have moved forward without the uh, mm-hmm. scandal of v- Vietnam around his neck. Yes, right, right. Very interesting coincidence. Yeah, just yeah. amazing uh, to me. Uh, your your thoughts, uh, maybe like a final thought on the on the significance on the on the uh, impact that Martin Luther King had. Uh, the idea that that people even fought his his birthday, which was outrageous. I mean, Arizona, I think, was the last to come on board, the state of mm-hmm. Arizona, but. Um, uh, the the idea that uh, that this man changed our country for the better uh, lost his life in doing it. Uh, he's a martyr uh, to to that cause. But uh, final thought on MLK. Well, uh, he indeed uh, his spirit continues. We are actually fighting over the consequences of his spirit, this legislation that uh, is right now being attacked uh, on the floor of the House of Representatives. This is the spirit of Martin Luther King that is upholding these these ideas, uh, these ideas for social justice um, that we, many of us, even uh, many Republicans uh, whom I know and treasure, <laughs> uh, believe in social racial justice. Uh, and uh, and this is Martin Luther King living on uh, in our day and age. And may he live on forever because uh, we do need to codify uh, once again, I mean, it had been codified, and the Supreme Court has been chipping away at it. And the, uh, of course, the MAGA people are—they're uh, uh, trying to dis- uh, trying to dismantle our government altogether. But certainly, they want to hand our government over to the big corporations and millionaires. Uh, and so, um, may MLK live on and prosper. Well said, so uh, brilliant, brilliantly done. And uh, he had so many great quotes uh, over the years. One, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'll try to get it as close as I can, uh, but this this is a, a relevant statement today, as it was ever, uh, and I'm just going by memory, 
If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. And he's right. You know, we're, yep. we're in a spot where, where maybe we're asked to crawl forward uh, with, uh, with some of them. And, and you just have to keep moving forward. And those words, to me, um, uh, have, have meant a lot over the years. And they, and they still will mean a lot. And I think 100 years from now. Yes, I fully agree. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Doc, and to everyone out there. Uh, you know, please uh, yeah, do a little do a little history on on this little research. Uh, uh, LBJ, one of the one of the most pivotal uh, politicians, public officials uh, there for better or worse, as Doc said, better or worse, and and Martin Luther King for for better. I, I think uh, clearly for better. Um, the work that he did and, uh, you know, and you know, teach your kids about Martin Luther King and, and honor the day. It, it means so much. Frank McKay signing off. Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg is our host each and every week. And she's the subject of a documentary. She is the author of 16 uh, different books. Another uh, one on the way, her memoir. Uh, and, and uh, of course, the host of award-winning host of our, our podcast and radio show. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on The Florence Weinberg Show.